Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Tarragon with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikva, and well-being. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center that is transforming the mikva experience by educating women how to use mikva as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships. Read our weekly blogs on a range of fascinating topics, download our wonderful publications, learn about our Balaniyot and Kala teacher trainings, and support us at theedencenter.com. Rabbanit Shani Tarragon has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work, and we are honored to combine two of her passions, Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well-being. Without further ado, Shani. Hello and welcome to Eden's Wisdom and Wellness for Women Parsha podcast. This week, the Shabbat, we read both Parshiot Vayakel Pekudei and also Parshat HaChodesh in preparation for Chag HaPesach as we hear the very first mitzvah given to Am Yisrael, HaChodesh HaZalachem, Rosh Chodeshim Rishonu L'Chodshei HaShana. We know the moon to whom Am Yisrael, and particularly the women, are compared is a significant means through which we appreciate, as Rafersh explains, the Hitchachut, not only the new month itself, but the power within Am Yisrael for us to renew ourselves. How appropriate, then, that we read a beautiful message in this week's parsha, particularly about the women. We begin with Parshat Vayakil, where we find in Shmod Perak Lamidhei, when Moshe commands Am Yisrael concerning the Mishkan and bringing, as he was commanded, and Parshat Shuma, for each person to bring Nidvot Libo, their contributions. The Torah tells us, Perak Lamidhei Pasuk Chafbet, Vayavo Ha'anashim Al Hanashim, and the Ramban explains on the Pasuk, Vavur that the Anashim came because the women came and the women voluntarily gave of their jewels because we know that they didn't dispose of them with regard to Chita Egel in last week's Parsha and the women who still had their jewelry, their gold jewelry, their silver jewelry, they brought this for the Mishkan and therefore explains the Ramban, it was really the women who inspired the men to come and bring whatever they could. As we see in the continuation, that the women are mentioned here specifically and explicitly, especially with regard to some of the work that they did in preparing the big day kuhuna and in uh, the various yiriots of the Mishkan. We hear again uh, the idea of the voluntary, the contributory nature of the women. Generally in the Torah, we know that there is a, a gender, gender identity. Whenever we have the men, the men naturally include the women. And yet, here the women are set aside each and every time. Again, we continue in Parak Lamid Vav of the Parsha, Ish Isha, Al Yasu Od Malacha. Moshe Rabbeinu realizes that Baruch Hashem, the people have brought even more contributions than necessary. This generally does not happen in Jewish history, where Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, enough, enough donations that are brought to the Mishkan. And who does he have to turn to? Not just the Ish, but the Isha. Let's also explore Parshat Pekudei. And Parshat Pekudei, we hear that not only were the women, in fact, so... Uh, 
instrumental in uh, the building, construction, and certainly the weaving of uh, the various yiriot of the Mishkan. But we also hear of literally the pikudim, the allocations of the gold, the silver, the copper, donations that were brought. The Torah is going to tell us to uh, which uh, which kelim are going to be fashioned from each one of these contributions. And when the Torah tells us about the golden contributions, it tells us about the golden kelim, the silver, the silver adamim. And sure enough, Paraglam Aleph, with regard to the copper donations, we hear that they were used for the Mizbeach HaOlah. But then we find a very interesting pasuk. Not only were they used to construct the external altar, which we know is also nicknamed the copper altar, the Mizbeach HaNechoshet, but also the other kelim of the chatzer, what are those? Perek lamidchet, pasuk chet, vayaas et kior nechoshet, from the copper donations, the kior, the wash basin, was also fashioned, ve'et kano nechoshet, and its base, the foundation upon which it's placed, was also made from nechoshet. Bimarot hatsovot asher tzavu petach ol moed, from the mirrors that were collected in Again, at the Petachol Moe, but there's actually a redundancy from the mirrors that were collected of those that were collected, right, in Petachol Moe. So we have a few questions over here. Number one, why does the Torah, only in this case of the wash basin, tell us about the construction of this copper wash basin, not just from the general copper donations, but tells us specifically which donations of copper contributed to the construction of the wash basin. It was particularly copper mirrors. Now, question number two, copper mirrors, those are not very clear mirrors. The mirrors we have today are coated with silver. That enables a much clearer reflection copper is going to be very blurry. Why would people even have copper mirrors? And thirdly, what is this terminology of marot hatzovot asher tzavu, or in other words, the redundancy? So Rashi helps us explain the, uh, all the above questions by telling us and quoting Chazal, benot Yisrael hayu biadan marot. These were mirrors that belonged to the woman of Yisrael. And the women of Israel would use them when they would literally make themselves up, when they would decorate themselves, when they would and beautify themselves. Now again, this refers back to Mitzrayim. They didn't have any proper, proper silver mirrors, so instead they used copper ones. We'll call them sugbet. Definitely not the same quality. But then again, they were slaves in Mitzrayim. And this is what the women had. And I remember learning in fourth grade, yes, the women, the Mesirat Nefesh, they made themselves beautiful. Even under times of duress and dire circumstance, they were still able to take the time, as we see even today, important for us to pamper ourselves a little and make ourselves as beautiful as possible. But we're going to see in just a moment that these copper mirrors weren't just used for the sake of the women alone. Rather, afotan loikvumila, we see the Mesirat Nefesh, the tremendous dedication and devotion that the women had, which, as we've already seen before, is very much based on the Pshat of the Psukim, where we find that the women were the ones who initiated all the donations and the contributions to the Mishkan. So here as well, we see that they were willing to give everything. And, and literally, we're going to see in just a moment, even the kitchen sink or the Mishkan sink, they were giving their copper mirrors to be used for the Kior in the Mishkan. And Moshe saw this and said, look, you know, these really aren't very good quality mirrors. And all the more so 
Haya Moshe Mo'es Bahen. Moshe was disgusted with them because because mirrors are used for the evil inclination. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu insisted that Moshe Rabbeinu accept these mirrors. Hashem says, because these are the contributions that I most desire. And Rashi now explains to us why the double terminology of tzabot, the mirrors that were collected, because actually one can understand tzvaot in two ways. They're not just collections of different utensils. This is a reference also to people who were collected. In other words, ta'am Yisrael, who became tzvaot, literally the armies who are going to fight and conquer the land of Israel. So literally, says Rashi, These copper mirrors enabled them to raise the armies of Yisrael when they were still in Mitzrayim. In other words, the women were so confident and were so optimistic with regard to the future of Am Yisrael that they said nothing is going to stop us and nothing is going to thwart the demographic growth of Am Yisrael. We are going to withstand the various wrote the decrees of servitude of Paro. We're not going to let that stop us. And what would they do? And sure enough, we know that the first decree of Paro was to take the Hebrew men out to literally work camps. And the Midrash also tells us that in Ashmot Rabbah, that when Paro established these work camps, the whole point was this was going to be the major manner through which he was going to thwart the growth of Am Yisrael because what would the officers say? They would say, you know, it doesn't really pay for you to sleep at home because, you know, Chaval on the Schlep, it's going to take you an hour, two hours, each direction. You may as well sleep here. And literally, they would sleep out. You know, I picture them by, by the ancient railroad, so to speak. In other words, they, they would sleep outside just to save themselves more times that they would meet the daily quota of bricks that Paro placed upon them. But this did not stop the growth of Ami Yisrael. Why not? Not because of the men, but rather, as Rashi continues to tell us, because of the women. Because the women were the ones to take these mirrors, and they would be the ones to move. They would get up, and they would walk there, who knows, right, one or two hours worth, so that they they could then continue to have children. They would take with them they would take food and drink with them. And later Midrashim tell us as well that they would take Dagim that Hashem provided them not only with water but also with small fish that represent fertility so that they would go and they would massage their husbands and they would take care of them and they also took with them Tamarot. they took the mirrors with them not only to beautify themselves but every woman would take the mirror and I always pictured these mirrors like the original selfies right these were the first selfies. They would sit next to their husbands and they would say, let's look at the mirror together. And that's how it, they would appease their husbands. I am even more beautiful than you. What does this mean? Imagine these women who are also slaves in Mitzrayim. Imagine right, people in work camps and concentration camps. And instead of the woman saying, you know, look at me the way that I am now. Look at me in my dire situation. They said, no, let's not do that. Don't just see things the way that they appear in front of you right now in the present. Instead, let's look in these copper mirrors 
almost like crystal balls. Let's see the blurriness. Let's be a little creative and imaginary. And let's try to, to remember what we used to look like. Remember when you loved me. Remember our wedding day. Remember when I didn't have wrinkles. Whatever the case may be, they would look at these mirrors and they would create for themselves a new reality through these mirrors, a reality that reflected a beautiful past, but also one that gave them hope for an even more beautiful future. And then that's exactly what the Midrash means when it says that then the woman would conceive from their husbands based on the Pasuk and Shir Hashirim, this is where I'm going to arouse you, says the Ra'aya, the female persona to the dude. This is where your mother conceived you. This is where she gave birth to you. And the Midrash continues and says that the women would then go back to these apple trees. And this time they didn't need the mirrors. They were going to give birth to children so that the Egyptians would not see that they're having children. And yes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then enabled them to survive. Hashem would take care of them. And the the earth would absorb them and nurture them until they were ready to return to their parents. And the children recognize Hashem when they say by Kriyat Yamsuf, Zekilivan Behu, they're able to recognize that this is the same God who nurtured them in their youth. And the power of this Midrash teaches us not only about the optimism of women, not only what we already know from the Pshat of Sefer Shmot of the Miel Dot and uh, the Bat Levi and her daughter and Bat Paro, the women who are not going to be intimidated by the Gzerot of Paro, the Midrashim that tell us about, about not only the power of daughterhood, but Miriam, who is going to, in an audacious manner, in front of Paro, in front of her father, she says, Abba, you're worse than Paro. Paro is only preventing boys from being born. You're preventing boys and girls from being born. Paro is only depriving them of this world. You're depriving them of this world, the next world. And Paro is a Russia. Who knows? Maybe there will be a child here and there who will survive, such as her younger brother, of whom we see it's particularly the women who are going to be involved in the salvation of the children. Midrash says the Mialdot went above and beyond in order to keep these children alive. And this Midrash then beautifully explains, based on this week's parsha, these are the Marot. These are our mirrors. The mirrors, as the Shalah says, that represent the power of reflection. Women are compared to the moon, as we read about in this week's parsha of Parsha Tachodesh, Hachodesh Azalachim. Women are the moon, they're the reflected light. That's why they took the mirrors. What does that mean? Men may be more like the sun with regard to and the, the static power that they have, but women are always in flux, both our hormonal cycle, our power of Hidchatshut through going to the mikvah, literally the waters of Eden that revive us every single month, and certainly then the power of renewal of the moon, the power of movement, really, of the moon. That's the secret of women. That's the secret of reflection, because a mirror also does not contain light of its own. It reflects like the moon, the light that comes from somewhere else. And from here we see not only the power of mirrors, but the power that these women had then to be able to reflect instead of getting stuck 
in in the present. They had the power of being able to take from the past and project it to a much more beautiful future. And it wasn't just enough that they thought about this and they had an optimistic look at what was going to be. Again, just as I hope that we all have both the strength, the strength and the optimism and the perspective through which to do this. We've had a very difficult year, but to recognize that it doesn't stay this way. Chazal tell us because women are always in flux, not just hormonally, but parkot bitwanot. We're pregnant, and then, and then we... Uh, we give birth and we go through the cycle. So we know that even, even when we're pregnant, we're able to withstand the difficulties of pregnancy because we know that it's going to bring to something greater. And we're willing to go through this again and again because we know that this, the child is not going to be there in utero forever. We know that nine, ten months are going to come to an end eventually. And we know that whatever difficult situation we're in, whether it's corona whether it's lahavdil, lahavdil, again, shibud mitzrayim, whether it's our own personal oppressive states in which we find ourselves, we know that the status quo is only temporary. And the question is, what are we going to do with this? Are we going to take our mirrors? Are we going to reflect from the past onto the future? Are we going to be able to look with our spouses, look with our husbands, and be able to project that positive, the positivity? And hopefully this will affect not only our moods, but their moods as well. Back to the Parsha, the men come because the women come. The men are inspired by the women. Can we take this power of the mirrors that we have and affect other people's moods so that we can then, Be'ezrat Hashem, literally raise armies, armies of confidence, armies that will protect us. But there's one other aspect. It wasn't simply that the women took the mirrors. They took the mirrors and they moved. They took the mirrors and they didn't wait for their husbands to come back home. They went to their husbands. This week, we have a very special guest, Mrs. Tamar Benevit, who is a personal fitness trainer in Yerushalayim. And she's going to talk to us not only about what we just discussed about mirrors affecting moods and being able to reflect upon situations differently, but really the power of movement, how movement also affects our moods and how important it is, especially during difficult times, not to be passive, but to actively get up and move a little more. And we, Be'ezrat Hashem, will internalize these messages of both uh, definitely emotional health, but learning from the parshiot of this week, the power of the mirrors, the power of the moon, how this can affect our mood, and how the movement, Be'ezrat Hashem, will help us uh, appreciate this as well. When uh, we celebrate Chaka Pesach and we look at the Charoset, Chazal tell us that the Charoset is meant to also remind us of the Tapuach, not just the teats, not just the cement of the men getting stuck in the present, but it represented those apple trees of, of the women of Am Yisrael. It represented the future, the growth. May we be Zoche this Pesach Be'ezrat Hashem to see growth to see the power of the optimism that we've reflected the past few months materialize into all the goodness, into the chirut that be'ezrat Hashem. We should be zochet to, again, the gu'ula that Rabbi Akiva tells us, b'schut nashim tzedkaniyot, shahayu tohador mitzrayim, negalu b'nei Yisrael mi mitzrayim, and b'schut nashim tzedkaniyot, shabachodor, atidin b'nei Yisrael lihika'el. It's because of these powers of the mirrors, and the mood and the movement of Am Yisrael that Be'ezrat Hashem will be able to bring about 
the next and the final redemption. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Pesach. Sameach Kasher Ubari. Hello and welcome back to Eden's Wisdom and Wellness for Women Parsha podcast. This week we have a very special guest who happens to be a very close friend as well. We have a Mrs. Tamar Benevitz, hailing originally from St. Louis, New Rochelle, and now our own Katamon Yerushalayim. Tamar is a certified fitness trainer who trains in Pilates and spinning. spinning. That's right. As a matter of fact, I think she is the spinning teacher in Yerushalayim and running various programs, both for students from Midrashot and women of all ages. And remind me what I'm leaving out. Uh, and, and a personal trainer. Right. Know, right. So uh, very good. And I would say fantastic credentials over here. And I must say on a personal level that Tamar is really a persona that, again, for me also inspires, you know, inspires me in being able to integrate so much of her daily living fitness together with Torah learning. And we've had numerous discussions speaking about how each truly complement one another that as we strengthen our bodies, we also have to strengthen our souls. So uh, Tamar is here. I'm so excited. Thank you, Shani. It is such a sfut and a privilege, Tamar. And as we approach Parshiyot Vayakal Pukute, and we spoke about the power of the mirrors that are mentioned particularly in Parshat Vayakal, and the Midrash explaining that these were copper mirrors that the women didn't only take with themselves to adorn themselves prior to, to going to their husbands, but the Midrash goes out of the way to tell us that the men were very far away from the women, that Paro encouraged the officers to say, why should you go back to your wives every night and waste precious time because you're going to lose and miss the quota of bricks that you have to prepare? So instead of being disheartened, it was the women who would take these copper mirrors with them, together with warm water, together with fish, as the Midrash tells us, and they would walk perhaps miles on end to then look at these mirrors together with their husbands and say, look how beautiful we are. Now, let's just put this in perspective and remind ourselves that these women were also enslaved. You know, picture women in concentration camps, and yet somehow they were able to not only maintain a positive self-image of themselves, but they were able to project that through the copper mirrors to their husbands as well. So uh, Tamar speaks very often about fitness and body image and positivity. Tamar, can you elaborate a little bit on this? Right. So everyone knows that exercise is is good for you. And we know it's for the obvious reasons, uh, maybe weight loss and improved health, lowering risks for dementia, slowing memory loss. But I find the greatest benefit of all of exercise, and, and the research from the last 10 years really supports this, is that physically active people are less likely to develop depression or anxiety compared to sedentary people. And, and movement can happen in so many different ways. It can be walking, weight training, swimming, biking, hiking, even gardening. All these forms of movement, the research has indicated it, it makes people happier and less prone to mood disorders compared to people who are lacking movement in their lives. Oh, and maybe that's what the Midrash is trying to tell us. The women were the ones who walked. The women were the ones who were proactive. We see women dancing by, by Kriyat Yamsuf. 
maybe that had an effect on their positivity. There's no question in my mind that if they, if those women were, were feeling challenged in their, in their lives, that that movement had to have helped to lift their spirits and to create more positivity in their lives. It's so interesting because we find the haroset on the Seder plate, the Amoraim debate, whether it should be stickier like cement, or whether it should be a little more liquidy like the apples, that the women would go to the apple trees. It says that, if you think about it, the men represent the cement. You know, it doesn't move, it gets stuck, uh-huh. right? And a certain woman, rig- rigidity. Exactly, <laughs> whereas the woman represents this fluidity. So what, what do you recommend in terms of different fluid movements that we should be involved in? I have found that people who, who find movement and exercise that brings joy in their lives, they tend to stick with it. People who force themselves into workouts where they feel that they're punishing themselves and not, not enjoying, they don't continue for the most part. And I also recommend finding music that motivates. Uh, the music at the same, listening to the music with your movement can really inspire, it can distract. Yes, sometimes we need to be distracted. Yeah. Uh, and there are psychological studies for that as well, that people push themselves harder when they're really enjoying the music instead of just asking themselves, well, how fast was that sprint and how many kilometers did I cover? When they're in the moment with their music, there's a certain mindfulness that also allows them to disconnect from the world. And that's something I really always recommend at the end of my spinning class. I always end with one last song where I, I just turn up the music, I tell everyone to close their eyes and just to lose themselves in the experience. And it's very interesting to see how the, the workout coming together with that disconnection at the end is a very powerful moment for people. Wow, Tamara, that's beautiful. Okay, I feel like I want to exercise right now. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that even though Baruch Hashem, we're not living you know, in the oppression of Mitzrayim, I think many people have felt during this season of Corona I personally, I'm embarrassed to say, you know, have been more, more stationary, you know, both Baruch Hashem teaching Torah, but less, you know, involved in movement. And as you mentioned, it definitely does affect mood. No, the interesting studies, yeah, the preliminary studies from the early days of lockdown and quarantine, quarantine have, have demonstrated that people who stayed physically active during lockdowns were less depressed and more mentally resilient than those whose activity levels declined. Another recent study of exercise during quarantine demonstrated that people who exercised were able to combat the stress, confusion, and mounting anger that many people were experiencing. And I would have to say I saw that personally, anecdotally, with my own clients, that many times people would come to a session and they were frustrated and after the workout, they were able to release tension. Their anxieties had decreased. In general, the movement lifted their spirits and calmed their fraying nerves. And so that was so gratifying for me and for them. That's right, as you're saying, and I'm thinking we always talk about you know positive body image and you know self-esteem, but really the exercise has so much to do with relieving the anxiety. And it's not just about myself, it's about affecting all those people around me. And right. I'm sure that a lot of those tensions were probably surrounding issues of shalom bayit 
and you know we know we know right. you know domestic violence and and domestic even civility you know has really been disturbed during this time. I it's think that exercise yes, is so I, I think especially in Israel with so many kids trapped at home every day. Also, parents needed that release. They needed that time, um, and it probably helped with our parenting. I know I can say it <laughs> helped with mine. And I have to say that I also encouraged my kids every single day. And and here in Israel, you and I have both had middle school children who've been out of school for a year. And I have told my children, no matter what, leave the house once a day and just go outside and take a walk. Exactly. I sent my son to the Negrash. I want to go, go. Go. And he would come back more excited to do everything, to learn, to engage, to speak. Yes. I, I not saw, close himself up in his room. I saw it also that they came back rejuvenated and uh, and at times less angry. That's right. Right. Yes. So Baruch Hashem. Now the gyms are reopening. That's right. But what type of exercises, especially as a personal trainer, would you encourage for those who are still in quarantine or those that are nervous to get a little, you know, out there? Well, there's been an explosion of exercise options through Zoom, through YouTube, uh, just unbelievably, the opportunities have just exploded. So I, I really say find the exercise that you connect with. For some people, that could be Zumba because they need to dance and they need mm-hmm. to move. For some people, they don't need anything. They just go outside and they put on their music and they go for a run and that does it for them. So find the movement that works for you and then there's more of a chance you'll stick with it and if i'm in quarantine i'm in a four by four meter room what can i do well you and i know that we saw people doing marathons around on their hustlers so when there's a will there's a way and I, I think you can you can still manage even with a mat and a little corner of your room with some good instruction, you can accomplish a lot in terms of high intensity interval training um, in, in short spurts can raise your heart rate and has proven to be very, very effective. So short, intense workouts are fantastic. And and also, of course, I'm going to give the big push for the spinning. I mean, yes, because yes. that's low impact and, you know, uh, that allows people to really burn a lot of calories yes. and enjoy themselves. Even as you're saying spinning, and I'm thinking of the mirrors and the movements of the women, I'm thinking of Shir Hashirim that we read on Pesach, where the dance that the Ra'aya, that the female persona, performs is uh, literally shubi shubi hashulamit go and spin that's, that's really what she's doing that's right. spin and spin spin and spin and then uh, the dude looks at her and says wow how beautiful you look I'm, I'm sure she's radiating not only with perspiration but as you said with but that, she's she's glowing with that feel good movement yeah, which definitely strengthens as you mentioned from all the studies strengthens resilience and maybe this is the resilience that Chazal are speaking about in Bamidbar Rabbah that accompany the women in particular throughout the years of the Midbar that they took with them from Mitzrayim and were able to uh, literally resist whether it was the, uh, the sin of the Egel, the Egel Hazahab, or whether it was the complaints of Chaitamaraglim. And we find women like Benot Slochad, who if you ever think about their names, Machla, right. which means Machol, spinning, another spinning <laughs> term, the dancing. 
right? Skirt sa, running, litsa, they're all women of movement. They were they were doers. Exactly. They were doers. And that's what pushes us in a positive trajectory. And and I think that's very inspiring for those of us who feel with corona that sometimes we get down, we ask ourselves, is there an end in sight? Well, if they managed in the midbar for 40 years, I think we will get through this. That is beautifully said, because that's exactly what Hashem says. I'm just going to send you around and around. Basically, you're going to be in quarantine for 40 years, and we survived. And not only that, we developed into a strong nation with a wonderful mentality of of conquest and settlement and not appreciating really so, so much that we didn't have. Maybe all of these trials and tribulations are really teaching us we can get through this, um, but don't forget you need a release for that tension and for that frustration. And movement is just in my opinion, the easiest way to get that release, uh, the healthiest way, right? That's right. Benefiting your body, your mood, the people around you. Beautifully said. And even if we know this, and you're right, different people have sought out different, less healthful releases, and just hearing it from you only reinforces that. So Tamara, I want to thank you. But before I let you go, <laughs> and can you give us some um, positive encouragement, advice, as we're all going to be very much, I don't know if on the move, but definitely full of anxiety these last two weeks before Pesach. And in our preparations, what do you recommend as we're cleaning? You know, are there any special movements or and any pre-Pesach or even over-Pesach? Mm. As we're really going to be eating a lot of matzah, <laughs> yes. a lot of food. That's right. What do you recommend for, for the next few weeks? Uh, just continuously keep the movement in your routine. Um, it's going to be important when you reach those frustration moments. Take a break. Go for a walk. Mm. Um, turn up that music while you're doing that Pesach preparation, and maybe you, have to share your, you know do do your Spotify add your yes. My Spotify lists are public. I like to share them. I really do. Okay. And add some movement. Add some dance moves while while you're doing your cleaning and your prep. And uh, bring bring your children into the dance. And that I think that that's a great way to. That. I love that. Make us into uh, cleaning as a family, right. moving as a family, staying positive and upbeat in every sense of the word. That's right. And okay, it's funny, e- even, even within Spotify, one of my favorite playlists are songs to clean with. <laughs> clean to. I think okay. the playlist is called Songs songs to listen to while cleaning, something along those lines. Tamar, as we're speaking, I'm going to ask you, we're really going to upload this onto, onto this podcast. So okay, if you, if you no problem, with no us, problem. To inspire all of us with uh, words of Torah, words of movement, words of exercise, words of positivity, and ultimately, as you said, words of joy. So, Tamar, thank you. Thank you. This was a pleasure for me, and I hope we continue our conversation. Mutually so, as we go walking. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And Pilates. And Pilates. (laughs) That is Rat Hashem. Thank you. Is there someone in your life that you want to honor? Someone who has helped you out or inspired you? Maybe it's a medical professional, or a teacher, or a yoetzet who went above and beyond to help you. Or a yard site or death that you want to mark please consider making a donation to support this podcast in honor of a special person in your life. 
This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon, music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback, sponsorships, and support. You can reach us at www.theedencenter.com. <laughs>